Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. It's my great joy this morning to continue on uh, in the book of James. We're uh, touching on the, the book of James chapter 3 this morning and uh, looking forward to delving into that in a couple of moments time. We had uh, our City Serve meeting with council on uh, Thursday. Uh, Thursday it was here at the church. This not recorded this part if we could, that would be great. It uh, was. I love that thought. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love that thought. God is doing something so amazing in our city and amongst the churches in our city as well. And I really do want to encourage you to consider coming apart, being a part of our first project coming up on April the 1st, because I just think that God's going to do something significant. Said it last week, and, and I'll say it again this week, and what a picture. The local church in Shell Harbour coming alongside and serving our Indigenous youth community. I don't know about you, but that is just a picture worth serving for. Amen? Glory to God. I just think astounding. So if you think I'm a little bit excited and out of breath, then yes, you're right. I need to get to the gym more. So that doesn't happen as much. But I uh, wanted to jump straight into the book of James, chapter 3 this morning. And um, we're, we're, we're dealing this morning, um, today, uh, to do with the topic of the tongue. And it's very interesting because God has been saying so much to us, especially in our PM service. We've been running a series called My Words, My Future. And God has been saying to us so much about what comes out of our mouths and how that affects our life and our future. And it's interesting that today, um, James chapter 3 is dealing particularly and specifically with the issue of the tongue. Everyone say, the tongue. We're going to jump into it this morning, and we're going to discover four things that James teaches us about our, our words this morning and about this little thing called the tongue. There's four points that I want to bring to you, and there'll be a fair bit of teaching in this this morning, but I believe it's designed to encourage us and to bring awareness to us of the power of the words that we speak. Your words have life or death attached to them. Amen? Proverbs chapter 18 says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Every day that we wake up, we have opportunity either to speak up and to, to build up and to declare the goodness of God over our lives, like we're doing over that little baby in Port Macquarie right now, or we have the opportunity to bring down, to pull down, to tear, to bring destruction all through the words that we speak. Our words are so powerful. So we pick it up in James chapter 1. James chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says this. Number one, the first thought that we want to bring to us this morning is this thought here. Our words will be judged. Listen to it. Our words, the words that we speak, will be judged. It says this, James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And a couple of thoughts about that. Teachers in the Old Testament, and excuse me, teachers in the New Testament had a prominent part in early church life because they were teaching and declaring the Word of God. And the thought is this this morning, why would they be judged more strictly? Because teachers are shaping the lives of people because they are dealing with God's holy word and because they're speaking to God's holy people. But there's a broader principle that I want to bring out this morning that I think is so important for us to hear this morning, and it's this. We are all accountable for the words that we speak. 
we are all and will be held accountable for the words that we speak. In fact, remember the words that Jesus uh, teaches us in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 to 37. He says this about our words, and listen to it this morning. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. Have a listen to the power of what Jesus is saying there. You will, uh, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. Now, I just, I just, it does my head in that word there, careless. Or there's another translation that says for every idle word. In other words, Jesus is referring to words that just come out of our mouth. We, we haven't sort of premeditated much about the word. It's just a passing comment that comes out. And it does my head in that Jesus is emphasizing the fact that even careless, idle words, potentially we will be judged, judged for. And I look at that there and I go, wow, how powerful must be the words that we speak, that we don't truly appreciate and understand how powerful our words are. Because the Lord is saying that even the idle words, even the careless words that come out of our mouths on that great day, we are going to be held accountable for. Wow. I don't know about you, but I just go, shame, zip it. Zip it. Like your tongue. Don't say it. <laughs> Wouldn't be able to preach like that, but you know what I mean? Every word. So the first little thought, our words, we will be judged for our words. Jesus teaches us that there is a day of accountability, a day when we will answer for every unredeemed word, a day when we will see the true effect of our tongue in God. There is no question we are accountable and going to be held accountable for the words that we speak. So a little thought is this, so what should we do? Well, a couple of things. Number one, recognize any old patterns of speech. Um, and start to take authority over those old patterns of speech. Some of us can get into to a way of speaking that can be really negative. Have you ever heard someone just continually speaking negativity over their life? I have. I've heard people, and you know, I'll, I'll never amount to much. I'm never going to do much. In fact, I heard of a, of a parent during the week that has a, a, had a little child, and every time they referred to that little child, they, they would say, basically, you're a little criminal. Words have power. Words have such power. That's why we've got to be making sure that whatever's coming out of our, out of our mouths is life-giving. Amen. Recognize there might be old patterns of speech. Start to take authority over those and ask myself and yourself the question, are the words that we speak in glorifying God? Come on this morning. Are the words that we're speaking glorifying God? So first little thought, we will be judged for our words, James teaches us. And then the second thing that he teaches us the control of our tongue is a key to spiritually self-controlled living. Listen to it again. The control of our tongue is a key to spiritually self-controlled living. Listen to what James says in the second verse. He says, for we all stumble in many things. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he or she is a perfect person. Also to bridle the whole body. There's a powerful implication that I want to share with you this morning that's wrapped up in this little verse here, and it's this. Control the tongue is the key to spiritually self-controlled living. 
When the tongue is not restrained, small though it is, the rest of the body is likely to be uncontrolled and undisciplined. But if we can control our tongue and the words that we speak, we have the, the potential to control every ungodly passion, every ungodly desire, and every ungodly desire within us. Amen. Our tongues, if unrestrained, will take us down a pathway that will no longer be glorifying to God and potentially affect us in really, really negative ways. In the next couple of verses, James teaches that our tongue, our words have the power to direct our lives. And he does that by giving us a couple of illustrations. In James verses 2 through to 4, he introduces two illustrations in showing the contrast between a small instrument and a, a small instrument and a large object. And in verse 3, he portrays a horse, portrays a horse with a bit in its mouth. Without the bit in the horse's mouth, the horse is unrestrained, it's wild, it's unruly, potentially dangerous. It can particularly, potentially go anywhere. But when it's in, they obey us and we can turn the whole animal around. So right there, just think of that. I don't know, I, I, uh, when I was growing up, I uh, was going to be a jockey at uh, 11 years of age. That was my dream in life. I was a little short, short runt. I hadn't grown. Could you imagine me on a horse now, six foot? Just wouldn't work. But I remember growing up, and um, I, um, I used to go out every weekend. My father would take me out um, to the local, um, to the local um, trainer, um, George Ledger, his name was, all those years ago. And um, I didn't know a real lot about horses, but learnt over a number of months. And about six months in, they allowed me to do a, a little bit of um, training work on the horse and George had a really really strange sense of humor um, I remember one day we went fishing in the lake at Lake uh, Mulwala and um, I was sitting in the boat and he asked me the question Shane can you swim and I said well no Mr. Ledger I can't swim so with that he picked me up and plumped me in the water crazy absolutely crazy but I remember this one day talking about the bit in a horse's mouth I remember one particular day there was a black stallion in there and uh, he was just a young stallion probably about two years of age um, a really solid little horse um, full of oats if you know anything about horses oats really really pumps them up and they allowed me to ride this horse on track work amen and uh, this was probably about the second horse that I'd ridden. And I remember jumping on the horse and we started to go around the track and it wasn't too bad of a pace. And then the little stallion started to get quite a bit excited and the pace started to increase and increase and increase. And I'm starting to freak out every time I got past Mr. Ledger. Mr. Ledger, I can't stop. He'd just sit there and laugh at me. So we went around and around and around, and eventually in the end, eventually that little bit in that horse's mouth, eventually in the end I was able to pull the horse back and to stop it. See, without that bit in that horse's mouth, who knows where I would have ended up. Maybe Darwin, Alice Springs, I don't know. It could have been anywhere. But without that little bit restraining that horse, I would have been in huge, huge trouble. You know, your tongue is probably one of the smallest parts of your body but it has the potential to do the most damage to you. And more importantly, the most damage to people that are around you as well. This little thing called your tongue. Paul gives us another illustration. Then in verse 4, he paints the picture of a ship with a rudder. Without the rudder, a large ship will be blown off course, subject to the elements. It'll be direct, directionless and subject to the potential of a shipwreck. Without a rudder, the pilot, the steersman, they have no control. Whereas if the believer exercises careful control of the tongue, 
it can be presumed that he also is able to direct the whole of their life in its proper and divinely charted course. You get to choose what you say. You get to choose what you speak. So in James 5a, James explicitly applies the illustrations in verses 3 to 4. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Just as the bit determines the direction of the horse, just as the, uh, the rudder determines the direction of the ship, so the tongue can direct and determine the direction and the destiny of a believer's life. What you say that comes out of your mouth, that proceeds out of your mouth, has the potential to direct and affect the direction of your life. Amen? So our words are so powerful. We need to understand. Jesus said we will be held to account for every idle word that comes out of our mouths. Not intended, not intentionally, not thought about, just idle words. So number three, the third thing that he teaches about our tongue is that our tongue has enormous destructive power. I want to read these few verses of Scripture to you. He says this in verse 5. He says, See how a great forest a little fire kindles. Talking about the tongue. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Wow. And sets a fire on course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. Wow. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wow. Look at what he's saying about our words there. Our tongue has tremendous potential for good or tremendous potential for harm. Our words will either build up our lives and those around us or our words will tear down people. And here James emphasizes its destructive power in verse 6. We, three, we read three graphic descriptions of what the tongue produces. Number one, it defiles the whole person. It stains the whole person. It pollutes every part of them. Have you ever said something and you wish you hadn't said it and you felt just the stain of the word that's come out of your mouth? I'm the only true saint in the house in this morning. I get it, right? Now, have you ever said something and you wish you hadn't have said it and you felt the effects of it? That's what James is saying there. It pollutes the whole believer when we speak, we speak yuck, when we speak uh, words of death and destruction, even, even just, just in, in passing, it can affect our whole body. It defies the whole person, the first thing. The second thing, it sets the whole course of his or her life on fire. He reiterates the magnitude of its destructive potential. The tongue's destructive power can affect our future. We said that before, but it can. Number three, third thought is this. Where does this enormously destructive potential come from? It says in this verse here, and it is set on fire by hell. Listen to it. The words that we speak can be set on fire by hell. Satan himself, the ruler of hell, is the one who gives the influence for the tongue's destructive power. If we are not careful, we can be vessels, vessels, vessels of the plans and the outworking of Satan. Simply by not restricting what we are speaking. Simply by not taking stock without even knowing it, we could be a tool in the hand of Satan and speak something over someone's life that potentially could affect them for years. Amen. That's a bit serious, isn't it? But it's the Word. It's the Word of God this morning. Hope you're getting something out of it this morning. We're almost done here. 
So verse 7, it says this, For every kind of beast and bird, uh, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. James writes about the, 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 the animal kingdom and the do, dominance over the fourfold division of the animal kingdom. And we've been able to tame and to train that. But in verse 8, it says in contrast that no one can tame the untamable nature of the tongue. Astounding thought. He goes on to add a couple of more specific graphic descriptions. He says our tongue potentially is a, is a restless evil. The tongue is full of potential to do great evil. Evil uh, is difficult to control. It's always liable to break out. The other thing that he says there as well is our tongues potentially are full of deadly poison. Wow. This is like our venom. Sometimes our tongues can be like the fangs of a snake injecting venom into someone. In fact, Psalm 140 verse 3 says this, Evil men make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of their viper, uh, vipers is on their lips. You know, many of us would know from probably our own experiences in life, the power of words that have been spoken over us. And many would have known the, the old um, 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 saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So untrue. So unbelievably untrue. I could come and punch Ian Kennedy on the chin. Not that I would, ever. But I could smack him on the chin and he'd probably get up and want to give me a Christian hug. That's the sort of man that he is. But you know, I might break a tooth or two and, uh, you know, give it, a, give it a few weeks' time, he'd heal from that. But if I was to stand before Ian in, in somewhere and just started to berate him and speak all sorts of death over him because I know that he respects me and I respect him, he, he would allow me to speak. But potentially those words could affect him for years and years and years to come sticks and stones may break my bones but names will forever hurt you amen and there could be many people today here that have that have felt the effects of the words that others have spoken over you take stock of that and make a choice even you know as a parent parents any parents out there this morning you know sometimes you just want to let rip don't you and parents you know you're justified too aren't you right you know you justify, but, but you know that if you were to say that, that would crush or wound their spirit. So let's take heed of the thought from James there today and make sure that we pull ourselves up before we would ever get to that point because full of deadly poison. Number four, and we're concluding with this this morning, our words reveal what is in our heart, what we are. Listen to what he says. He says, with it, our tongue, we bless God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine, bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. James is basically teaching that a person's speech is a barometer of their spirituality and it reveals what's in their heart. I want to read to you a scripture out of uh, Matthew chapter 22 and starting in verse 33. Jesus is responding to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were mocking him again and having this, 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 this holier than, than thou attitude. And he says this, he says, either make the tree good in its fruit or else make the tree bad in its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. 
brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man, out of the treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word, as we said before, that you may, may, may speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Jesus said to the Pharisees, who he called a brood of vipers, your words are simply the fruit, the outward indication of what's going on on the inside of you. He was confronting them. For out of the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to this thought. Faces, eyes, and moods portray little, but our words give it all away. When we speak, our spirit speaks. Amen. Our speech is the barometer of our spirituality. It reveals what is in our heart. And just as we start to conclude this morning, this is essentially the message that James brings us in verses 9 through to 12. In the final verses of the passage, he goes on to say, and in a sense, he finds it deplorable that with the same tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with that same tongue we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. He finds that deplorable. He can't get, can't get his head around that, that we could do that, that we could praise our God in whom we've been made in the image and yet we could curse men, women, people that have been made in the image. He just can't understand that. Praising, honoring or blessing is the highest, purest, most noble form of speech. The highest, most noble, purest form of speech in contrast Cursing or speaking against condemnation is the lowest, filthiest, most ignoble form of speech that can come out of our mouths. And in verse chapter 10, it says this, Out of the same mouth, praise and cursing, my brothers, my sisters, this should not be. Don't you love that this morning? My brothers, my sisters, this should not be. So this morning as we conclude, some practicalities this morning. Number one, think about your words before you speak them. Think about your words before you speak them. Amen? Another thought, take a moment or two before responding or reacting. Maybe walk away. Get before God, especially in a situation where it might be heated. Get before God, let God deal with your heart and then respond accordingly. Another thought, Importantly, be careful who you listen to. Neg in, neg out. Negativity in, negativity out. Be careful who you listen to. Amen. If you want to fly and soar like an eagle, don't hang out with the turkeys. The turkeys live down here. Gobble, 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 gobble. Really? Hang out with the eagles. Hang out with people that are speaking life and faith, doing their best to do that. If you're susceptible to negativity, don't talk with people who are negative. Even if it's sugar-coated like, I'm not gossiping, but have you heard about? I'm not, I'm not gossiping, but have you heard? Well, what? You know, or I'm not criticizing, or, or it's just me who thinks this. The thought is this as we conclude. If I could just have the band come up this morning. 
thought is this. If you and I wouldn't say in front of Jesus, then don't say it. Amen? If you and I wouldn't say it in front of Jesus, then don't say it. If it's not edifying, if it's not profitable, if it's not pleasing to God, then simply don't say it. Hallelujah. Paul said in the book of Philippians, he said, whatever things are noble, whatever things are good, whatever things are praiseworthy, these things meditate upon. As we meditate upon these things, what comes out of our mouths? The very same thing that we've been meditating upon. In this verse of scripture here, I want to finish with this morning. May we all stand to our feet today. It says in Psalm chapter 19, verse 100, excuse me, Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Let's just take 15 seconds, 20 seconds, just to reflect before God today on our words. Are there areas that you need to improve? Are there areas that you need to simply stop saying those things about you, your spouse, your children, your workplace, whatever it may be? Are there areas of your conversation, are there areas of your speech, areas of your speech that you've allowed yourself to not glorify God in the words of your mouth, in the meditation of your heart. And if so, this week, by the grace of God, invite the Holy Spirit to help you to bring the change that needs to come, amen? So that out of your mouth would flow living water, amen? Able to build up, to bless, to encourage, to exhort those around you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.